Wearable technology is not just smart consumer devices like watches and activity trackers. Wearable tech also includes one-off projects by designers, makers, and hackers, and there are more and more people producing tutorials on how to get started. I think wearable tech is also a great way to get both kids and adults excited about coding, electronics, and in general, engineering skills. Sophie Wong is a designer who makes really cool stuff using code, technology, costuming, soldering, and even jewelry techniques to get tech onto the human body. Sophie joins the show to answer my many questions about getting started safely in wearable tech. Welcome to Testing Code. Today on Testing Code, I am thrilled to have Sophie Wong, and this is a little bit of a different episode. Um, I actually, I normally talk about testing stuff and Python stuff, and actually, I don't even know if you use any Python in your work, but I have a hard time trying to introduce you because you do so much. So when you meet people, how do you introduce yourself? I usually say that I'm a designer who makes stuff. That's really my background is in design. And I use design as my main tool for figuring out how I'm going to build all the crazy ideas that come into my head. So I really introduced myself as a designer first. And I use things like code and a lot of technology in my processes and in my finished projects. And I really just try to use the tools and the skills that the project requires. That's, how, that's pretty much how I explain what I do. You do all sorts of stuff from soldering stuff to coding to sewing to all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. I think my main focus, though, is I have a, a really deep interest in technology and wearable technology. So a lot of my projects are sort of based in figuring out how to get technology onto the human body, whether it's putting technology into a costume, I love costuming, or whether it's figuring out how to make a tiny piece of jewelry light up. I didn't set out to learn how to do wearable technology and wearable electronics projects, but that's sort of where I've ended up. My interest has really grown. That's cool. I love this idea about wearable technology but a bunch of questions jump to mind right away with this. So like if I've got a jacket with like light up lights in it and stuff, there's electronics in there. Is there, can I ever wash the coat again? That's an excellent question. And it's something that I think a lot of us sort of gloss over when we have like a great idea of some kind of technology we want to put into a piece of clothing. We're sometimes more focused on the fun aspects of like how I'm going to solder it together and how great it's going to look when it's done. And the reality is, yes, you're going to need to wash that garment. Anything that is touching your skin is going to need to be cleaned. And that's, it's a hygiene thing, but it's also a maintenance thing that is something you want to do to prolong the life of your project. So I have uh, several recommendations for people who are putting technology into clothing. What's really great is there's a lot of manufacturers who are specifically making electronic components for wearable 
functions. So they're trying to create microcontrollers and components that are, in a sense, washable, that can get wet and they will survive when they dry out. That's not always enough to make your entire project launderable because there's wear and tear, wear and tear that is going to happen if you throw it in the washing machine or even if you dry dry clean something. There's a lot of wear and tear that goes on. So my biggest recommendation to people who want to do this is make your project, design it so that your electronic components can be easily removed. So where you can, don't glue something in, sew it in instead. You can always clip out the stitches and re-sew it in later, launder the part of the garment that is cloth that you can wash and then add the electronics back in later. That's something that we would do in theater. I've worked in in theater for costuming. Every piece of costuming that touches an actor's skin needs to be washed between each performance. So we build our costumes so that they can be disassembled if necessary and laundered. Um, Another thing that is a really, really good thing to do is build your electronics into a part of the outfit that is going to be separated by another layer of clothing from your skin. So put it in a jacket, which is an outer layer. It doesn't need to be laundered as often and wear what we call a laundry layer underneath. You know, you could always wear an extra shirt underneath or something underneath just to protect that garment and reduce the amount of times you have to clean it. Oh, that's a great idea. Like, uh, you know, like my, my leather jacket, I don't know if I've ever washed that or how to, but. Yeah, yeah. That's a great example. I actually have a project where I put electronics into a leather jacket, a vinyl jacket. I chose that piece of clothing because I knew that, you know, be easier to spot clean that and I wouldn't have to throw the whole thing in my washing machine. Okay. Next up, one of the reasons why I got interested in this is in the idea of wearable technology is um, the the vast array of what you can do with it and all the different projects, different cool things. But also, I think getting younger people or people that don't aren't excited about coding or soldering or something like that more excited about uh, technology. I want to tell you about a really amazing sponsor I'm partnering with. Monday.com is an easy-to-use, flexible, and visual teamwork platform that powers teams to run processes, projects, and build custom workflows in one digital workspace. Beautifully designed to manage any team, organization, or process online, Monday.com powers over 100,000 teams' daily work, and they just launched a contest to build apps that will be included in their marketplace launch. You can build an app that can improve the way teams work together on Monday.com. Whether it's an app to help marketing, construction, sales, software developers, or anything in between, they are looking for creative, impactful, amazing apps to feature in their upcoming apps marketplace. They're giving away $180,000 in prizes, including three Teslas, 10 MacBooks, and more. Have you ever dreamt of building an app that impacts the daily lives of hundreds of thousands of people? Well, now's your chance. Check it out at monday.com slash test and code and start building now. That's monday.com slash test and code. Before I encourage my kids to get involved, I want to make sure they're safe. Is there any danger in wearing electronics, whether it's from the electricity or from the chemicals or anything? Yeah, absolutely. I think 
with every maker project and especially with electronics projects, we always have to be mindful of the inherent dangers of working with these materials. I would say it's the same level of caution that you should take with any electronics project. You should apply the common sense that you would apply to your regular electronics projects to wearable tech projects. You're asking exactly the right questions. Yes, you do need to insulate the circuit and make sure it does not touch your skin. You need to keep it away from moisture. And that becomes a tricky thing to do when you're wearing it on your body. Your body is always going to, you're going to sweat, you're going to create a moist environment. So you really want to make sure that the circuitry is nowhere near your skin. And chemicals, yes, I use a lot of different kinds of glues, adhesives, obviously solder. I'm always washing my hands. I'm always wearing my safety glasses when I'm soldering. It's something that I think a lot of people skip. And I don't skip that because I care about my eyes. Definitely want to take all those safety precautions. But know that you can safely do these projects when you're observing all of those safety precautions, all the common sense things that you would do for for a regular electronics project, they absolutely apply for wearable tech. I'm, I'm glad I asked because I would have never thought to try to create a barrier between the components and skin and especially mm-hmm. the moisture part. So like maybe I could stick a some circuit in a in some fabric, but that needs to be able to stay dry also. So maybe a a plastic housing or something like that. Yeah, it becomes a tricky proposition. And I think I like to highlight that aspect early on in simple electronics projects, wearable electronics projects, because I think our minds get really, we get excited with the prospect of wearable electronics. And we might think of like a really elaborate thing that we want to build, you know, like making your own, you know, HoloLens wearable computer that sits on your face. You know, that's super cool. But you're going to have to address these issues of how am I going to protect the circuit from moisture? How am I going to power this safely? Where am I going to put that battery so it's not going to get compressed or used or twisted or exposed to moisture while I'm wearing it? And all of those same constraints you're going to have to address in a smaller project like just putting an LED into your jacket or onto a shoe or something smaller than building an entire computer on your face you know <laughs> it's the yeah. same issue because it has to go on your body i can think of things like wearable computers like the hololens or or something that or in the magazine that we'll talk about a little later there's um, these really cool uh, cufflinks which Mm-hmm. I'm totally intrigued by. That's something that's completely like it's wearable, but it's not fabric. The fabric aspect is intriguing to me. Are there, is there actual, I didn't get into it enough to find out. Is there, are there like actual wires and cables and circuits going on in the fabric on some of these projects? Yeah, there are multiple ways to do, to integrate electronics into fabric and textiles. And there's actually an amazing duo of makers based in Germany called Kobakant, that's with a K. And they do a ton of experimentation and a lot of projects with soft circuits. So they'll use conductive thread to build their circuit. So maybe not wire, maybe just all conductive thread. But they'll also weave wires into textiles. And, you know, if you get a big enough needle and a small enough wire, you can sew with it. 
So That's there's amazing. really, it's, a yeah, it's truly amazing. And it's, it's, it's a whole nother set of, of challenges when you reduce your, um, your wire or your thread down to a size that's small enough to sew, to sew with, you're going to start running into resistance issues. I often say like a lot of us who, who teach wearable electronics, we start, we like to start people off with sewn circuits um, and sewing with conductive thread because it's a really easy way to get into it. It's a really low barrier to entry and you can make some really cool stuff with it. Yeah. Conductive thread is not that expensive. You don't have to buy soldering equipment. It's a bit less intimidating if you've never soldered before. To your earlier point, it's, you know, it doesn't require any process that creates a noxious fume. You can just sew with conductive thread, but Pretty quickly, once you get used to using conductive thread, your ideas will outgrow the capabilities <laughs> of conductive thread, and then you'll have to learn how to solder. So, but I've seen Cobacant and other people who really, really embrace the conductive thread. They build incredible projects with conductive thread, and it's just mind blowing. So I wouldn't say that it's impossible to make a complex project with something like conductive thread in in textiles, because I have seen it done. It's just you know the masters of the art form are just pushing that boundary, and it's amazing. That's pretty cool. So if I've like let's say I've got. <laughs> Let's imagine we're in like a COVID era and uh, I've got to teach my kids at home and doing a project like this um, or some sort of wearable project might be a good thing while everybody's at home. Mm-hmm. Do you have a recommendation for a good starter project? Yeah, actually, um, there are a couple in in a book that I wrote for Hackspace magazine. There are a couple in there. There's one in there that doesn't require any coding or soldering at all, which is a really nice, quick project. It's sewing some LEDs into a pair of shoes. So it's wearable. It's definitely wearable tech, and you do have to face the same challenges we mentioned before. How are you going to put that battery in there? How are you going to keep the circuit from touching your skin? You can wear socks in this case. And it's a sewable project, so it's pretty easy to jump in and just dive right into building that circuit on the shoe. It's a really satisfying one for a weekend. Cool. Um, And you might already have most of the stuff to do it. You might only need to get the conductive thread. Is this the Hackspace wearable tech projects or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was blown away by some of the projects in this. There's a, just a, like a pair of snow goggles with an led strip on top. Looks so cool. Love that. <laughs> yeah. That was, it's a, that's another great one. That one does require some soldering and a little bit of, I would say that project is a very simple circuit, basically a strip of individually addressable RGB LEDs, you know, something like NeoPixels from Adafruit and connected to a microcontroller and a battery. It's pretty simple. Um, I think the complexity and the challenge comes with how are you going to make that circuit work on pair of snow goggles that have basically an elastic band to hold the goggles to your face. So this is another inherent challenge with working with wearable technology, which is your clothing. A lot of clothing has stretch in it or some kind of fit adjustment built into the clothing because everyone's a different size. Your body moves in a lot of different ways just through the course of the day. So there's a lot of stretch involved in clothing and apparel and accessories. 
But circuits, electronic circuits, don't like to stretch. They don't like to bend. And so the challenge is how to merge these two things. In that project, I like to keep the electronics in a portion of the goggles that that can stay fairly rigid throughout the wearing process. So I'll try to keep the electronics close to the front, uh, close to the rigid part of the goggles, and then allow the rest of the elastic band to stretch around your head. Because if you make that circuit go completely around your head, you will run into problems. And that's something, again, that you want to learn on a smaller project like this before you get to bigger, complex, wearable projects. Now, this is a pretty big magazine. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of projects in here. Did mm-hmm. you write all of these or did you, is it, are you just the editor? Or? No, I wrote those. So I basically ha- was doing tutorials for Hackspace magazine. I was doing wearable, wearable technology tutorials for them for a couple of years. And this is a compilation of the tutorials that I did for their magazines. There are a few other artists in there that are showcased and some other great projects, wearable projects from other people who also work in this field. But the majority of the projects in there are my tutorials. I really just focused on this for a couple of years and churned out a lot of tutorials. I, yeah. I wanted to take people from zero to, you know, pretty complex and then just empower people to come up with their own ideas with these for using these things. PyCharm is the Python IDE for professional developers. PyCharm's huge collection of tools out of the box includes an integrated debugger and test runner, Python profiler, a built-in terminal, integration with version control and built-in database tools, remote development capabilities with remote interpreters, an integrated SSH terminal, and integration with Docker and Vagrant. In addition to Python, PyCharm provides first-class support for various Python web development frameworks, specific template languages, JavaScript, CoffeeScript, TypeScript, HTML, CSS, AngularJS, Node.js, and more. PyCharm integrates with IPython Notebook and has interactive Python console and supports Anaconda, as well as multiple scientific packages, including Matplotlib and NumPy. Try out all of these time-saving features of PyCharm Pro for four months with the link testingcode.com slash PyCharm. Make sure your editor is working with you to save you time. Use PyCharm. The people like you making this cool stuff is making me excited about getting into a wearable tech and wearable computing. But what was your inspiration? How did you get into the combination of wear of fabric and wearables and technology. I think back on that too. And I wonder, I'm like, how did I end up doing this? <laughs> because I, I wasn't, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't know that any of this was possible. And I didn't know that I would be so interested in in this, in this combination of these things. But I always loved wearable things. I always loved costumes and I always loved technology. I just didn't know really how or if those two passions of mine were going to come together. And so I studied design in college. I majored in graphic design. So I wasn't really studying specifically anything wearable or technology when I was in college. And I worked as a graphic designer for a while, but I was very fortunate in my design education that my professors really stressed a holistic approach 
and a holistic application of design principles. So they really taught us that design could be used for anything, you know, architecture, civil engineering, marketing. You can apply design principles to all of those things to create a certain outcome. And so when I started to tinker more with my hands and I was getting more excited by apparel and costumes than I was with my graphic design job. So I started kind of working just more in that field on my own time. And then there was this aha moment where I saw someone on TV, someone on Project Runway. It was like the second season of Project Runway. They had a designer on there named Diana Ng, and she was using electronics in her garments. So I saw her doing it on TV. And that was the first time I'd ever seen that combination of technology and fashion design. And I was like, whoa, like, where is she getting that stuff? How does she know how to do that? And I found out that she wrote a book. So I bought her book and I I just pursued it. And that was just like this genesis moment for what I'm doing now. And that was years and years ago. It was just that that encounter that made all of this happen. That's pretty neat. I was listening to an interview with you and you mentioned your uh, uh, design in co- d- design classes in college, but you also said that you took uh, as many different art classes as you could, including mm-hmm. a lot of the physical arts like ceramics and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I started college as an art student, switched to computer science, but I was taking it to try to th- narrow down what I wanted to do with my life. I kind of wish I would have done that. Like the, the expansive, try lots of different things because you probably, I mean, I'm guessing that you learned to think in lots of different ways by working with different mediums way back when. Yeah. It's so funny that you, that you mentioned that because for a long time I thought I was doing it wrong. You know, I thought I was supposed to figure out what that specific thing was I was going to do with my life. and But I just was not, it just wasn't working for me. I just had, I, I'm just drawn to trying lots of different things. And I thought that I was messing it up by doing that. And it's only recently that I've realized that it's been a real benefit for me to to be really open to trying a lot of different things and adding them to my toolbox. Yeah. Well, a, a couple of, one of the things I definitely want to, I wanted to make sure I asked you about is you do, co- you mentioned that you do costume design also, but on your costumes page, there is this gorgeous dress. You must know which one I'm talking about. Is it the pink, really elaborate yes. 18th century? Yeah. Yeah. So that that's an older project of mine, but I still love it. And it's there's no electronics or technology in that all, in, at all. That was just a project that I was really, I really wanted to challenge my sewing skills and I really wanted to grow my patterning skills. So I, I intentionally chose something very elaborate, a garment to sew that was very elaborate that I couldn't buy an off the shelf pattern for because I wanted to figure out how to pattern things. So I did a lot of research and I made an 18th century, it's called a a robe a la Francaise. 
And it's basically, if you imagine like Marie Antoinette, it's that kind of very elaborate French historical gown from that period. This is your first patterning project? It was my first elaborate patterning project. And I don't want to tell you it was easy. It was hard. I mean, it took me a long time. But I learned so much doing it. I'm now doing, currently I'm doing a 3D printed dress that I patterned from scratch that I'm, I'm 3D printing all the panels on fabric. And I, I'm challenging myself to make an entire garment that way. Oh, wow. And I'm absolutely using the skills that I learned, you know, all those years ago when I made that French dress that, okay. that you're talking about. Is it silk? It is acrylic satin. It's okay. very cheap. This was a, an experiment. I, I think of okay. it as an experiment because I knew I was going to learn a lot doing it. Even though it was a sort of cheaper material, it was a lot of it. So It looks like metallic mm-hmm. trims. Is that mm-hmm. an illusion also? In that case, it is. Yeah. And I, I do a lot of painting on fabric. I do a lot of sort of transforming materials in my work. I use a lot of a lot of materials that aren't what they look like at the in the end result. So okay. I often take something like plastic and paint it to look like metal or something like that. Okay, well, this is a good job. Thank you. <laughs> My wife and I collect antique metallic trims as it's a weird thing to collect, but Oh, oh, I love that. And then the Ghostbuster costume also awesome. Got to say, hands oh, down, thank so you. cool. Oh, thanks. That's another one that has a lot of secret things in there that, you know, they look like metal but that pack is only, it's really light. I, I think it's like 10 or 11 pounds. And usually the Ghostbuster packs are like 30 pounds or more. They're really heavy. Yeah, this more, is all plastic. It's all plastic? Okay. It's mostly plastic. There's a few metal bits on it, but I kept it as light as possible. Well, and there's, it looks like even some of it that's a fabric that painted to look like metal or something. Yeah, it might be paper. There's some paper on there too. Yeah, yeah there's. There are a lot of tricks on that. <laughs> so do you do you have a favorite project that you've done recently or currently doing? Yeah. So recently, so last year, gosh, was it last year? I made a spacesuit for myself and it's sort of a fantasy spacesuit. It's an original design. I, I just really wanted to have like a cool cinematic spacesuit that, you know, when you go to a sci-fi movie and there's like Prometheus or something and they've got those cool lights inside the helmet and it's really dramatic. Yeah. I really wanted that. So I designed my own and I, I made it for myself and I, I'm really happy with it. The really cool part of that is someone contacted me, a director that makes music videos, and they wanted to use my spacesuit in their music videos. So oh, um, really? there's a, a video just came out. Yeah. And there's it's a sci-fi story. It's actually really cool. It just came out last week and um, the suit looks great in it. They filmed it in the Badlands, really sci-fi location. It looks super cool. So it- that's probably my favorite. <laughs> is that a, a YouTube or something that we can link to in the show notes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's on, yeah, it's on YouTube and it's on Vivo. It's like, it's like a legit music video. It's crazy. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, it's an incredible spacesuit. Any, how much coding or, I mean, if, can I get into this if I don't know how to mm-hmm. code yet or don't know how to solder? Yeah, absolutely. I did not know very much about coding or soldering when I started building things. And I just picked up the skills as I needed them to accomplish my ideas. And a lot of the projects in my wearable tech projects book are really designed for people who are getting, who are new to coding. So a lot of those projects, they're either coded with make code, which is visual based coding you can do online 
or with CircuitPython. And I keep it very simple with CircuitPython and I let the complexity come out of the rest of the project. So the coding, I think they're, the projects that use the Circuit Playground Express are really great if you want to practice coding because you can get straight to the coding aspect without having to build the whole circuit first. I, I find it's easier to jump into something really challenging when I'm fresh and not when I'm worn out from the rest of the project already. So I'd recommend that if you're new to coding to start with the Circuit Playground Express projects. Okay. That's a really fun uh chip to work with too we uh, oh, we got yeah. one, gave them out of PyCon the other last year i think and played yeah. with them a little bit it was neat oh they're great also, but okay so this is soldering buying circuits is this accessible to people with limited budgets well i'd say when i was a kid i definitely would not have been able to tinker with these projects the way that i do as an adult it manufacturers of the components that i use they're they're generally trying to make these things more accessible and they're coming down in price, but there's also, it's not just a question of purchasing the components. You also need a computer, you need the internet, you need space, you need a safe place to work on these things. So there are absolutely barriers to getting into these projects. And I think we all have to first of all, acknowledge that in what we do. I, I sometimes think like, oh, I'm putting this on the internet. I'm making it really accessible to everyone. But in reality, it's not as simple as that. So I think we all need to just, those of us who are encouraging people to get into this as a hobby, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think we really need to address that. And I think there's more that we can do to make it more accessible. Okay. There are maker spaces around. I think you're, you're right. We have to pay attention to that there is barriers because I can't just say there's a makerspace seven miles away. You can just drive your kid over there. Right. That's not really a solution for a lot of people. Right. And I think for me, when I'm designing these projects, I try to keep in mind that these are, this is an investment for a lot of people. And so I think it, it kind of dovetails nicely with what I was saying earlier about making your electronics removable. You know, if you can reuse that component from one project to another, that's excellent. And I think the Circuit Playground Express actually does a really nice job of that. Having everything built into one board, oh. designing projects that are that keep that board accessible and not buried into the project and not so deep in that you are destroying your project by removing that. That's one way that we, as the people who are creating these tutorials, can support people who for whom this is a huge investment. You know, like let's oh, make it so that idea. they can reuse it. Mm -hmm. I got one. So you could assume somebody's got one Circuit Playground Express. And they can move it around to their hat and their jacket and whatever. Yep. That's a cool idea. Yep. I like it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I definitely will. We talked about sophiewong.com. Is there any other place you'd like to direct people to to find out more? Yeah, I'm actually, I post pretty often on Twitter and on Instagram about what I'm currently working on. Sometimes my website uh, lags a little bit behind because I have to put the effort into to update it. My current work you can usually find on Twitter. I'm at Sophie Wong and on Instagram. I'm at Sophie Wong makes. Sophie Wong makes. Okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Sophie, for that great info and great inspiration. Thank you. Monday.com for sponsoring. 
Join their contest at monday.com slash test and code. Thank you, PyCharm, for sponsoring the show. Try PyCharm yourself at testandcode.com slash PyCharm. And thank you to all the listeners that support through Patreon. Join them by going to testandcode.com slash support. All of those links, as well as links to the items we discussed during the show, are in the show notes at testandcode.com slash 136. That's all for now. Now go out and test something. Or maybe get started on some wearable tech.